guys believe that the Lord is for you this morning, just give him a shout of praise today. Come on. Amen. Amen. Remain standing with me as we go into the Word of God. And I was reading this scripture a few weeks ago. And the reason I was reading this scripture is because in the month of September, usually before September, I spent usually maybe about six to eight weeks studying about the devil because October is what? The Hell Series. One person remembered. <laughs> and as I began to study this, there's something interesting about the devil that I found in this scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. This is what the Word of God says. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Look at verse 22. Peter took him aside. and He began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Talking about the crucifixion of, of Jesus. This will never happen. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. For you are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Wow. Imagine Jesus calling you Satan. And what really intrigued me about this is because I realized that Satan tempts us with sin. Satan tempts us in many ways. But it shows us also that Satan can be a stumbling block in people in your life. People you love, people you care about. Satan can use things that aren't necessarily sin to really destroy you. He's that clever. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block. So this morning I want to preach to you on the subject of blocking your stumbling blocks. You guys ready for this word? Amen. As we continue our series, bless this mess. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for what we're about to learn. Bless us with your wisdom and knowledge. Help us to apply this word. And Lord, I pray that you use me. Speak your word, Lord. Without you, we are nothing. So Holy Spirit, I pray and leave this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we continue our series on Bless This Mess. Blocking your stumbling blocks. If there's anything that will make a mess in your life, is allowing yourself to stumble with everything that is blocking the work of God from happening. As Jesus is walking with his disciples, he tells his disciples about his crucifixion. This is the purpose that Jesus came for. This is his will. This was everything that Jesus was all about, dying for our sins. So he begins to tell his disciples about the crucifixion, about his resurrection, about the blessing of his resurrection, everything. And all of a sudden, you would think that the disciples would be excited about this and happy about this because it would mean the forgiveness of sin and salvation. But Peter gets Jesus. He puts him aside. He thinks he's doing Jesus a favor, and he tells him, this is not going to happen. You're not going to die. You're not going to leave us. God forbid this. Trying to stop Jesus. 
He's trying to stop the plans of God. He's trying to stop the purpose of Christ. He's trying to hinder the will of God for Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks at Peter, and he knows this isn't Peter right now. He knows that this is the devil himself using Peter, and he looks into Peter right through the devil and says, Get behind me. I know it's you, Satan. And I know you're trying to use Peter to stop me. And he calls him a stumbling block. What is a stumbling block? It's anything that hinders or stops or makes difficult the things of God from happening in your life. It's a distraction. It's a temptation, it's a sin, it's a problem. Anything can be used as a stumbling block as long as it stops the work of God from happening in your life. Stumbling blocks stop spiritual growth. Stumbling blocks makes you worse than better as a Christian. It makes you ineffective as a, as a leader, as a Christ follower. Stumbling blocks is what destroys churches, it destroys families, it destroys marriages. Because not only do we see the stumbling blocks in our lives, but we keep them there. Let me illustrate to you what stumbling blocks do. For example, real simple. You have one responsibility. I want you to simply count how many fingers I'm holding up. Can you guys do that? That's your job, your responsibility. My responsibility is to show you how many fingers. Got it? All right, let's go. I'm going to give you three chances. Ready, set, go. All right. All right, awesome. Give yourself a round of applause. That's awesome. You guys did it. You did what you were told. You were responsible. Let's do it now, but this time like this. Ready, go. Ah. All right, ready, go. No, Wow. Who said 14? Ready? One more time. Go. Not even close. What's the difference now? It's just being blocked. It's being blocked. So what happens is that as long as the block is there, God can do his responsibility. God is still doing what he needs to do. You guys believe that? But as long as the block is there, it's going to hinder you from doing what you need to do. And then we think, well, why isn't God working in my life? And why isn't God doing anything in my life? God is. God is always at work. God is always responsible with what he needs to be responsible for. The problem is, when you allow blocks in your life, it hinders you from doing what you need to do as a Christian. It hinders you from doing what you're responsible for as a believer. And as long as the block stays, it is going to hinder your relationship with God. And the devil knows this, so he puts blocks in your life. You got it? It makes you stumble. It makes you see things unclear. It's down your progress. And if Satan tried to stop Jesus from fulfilling his plan and his will, you better believe he's going to do the same with you. Satan is trying to do the same in our life. Through sinful things, through not so sinful things, 
through distractions, through problems, through setbacks, and through people. Satan can use anything to block you, to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. He could hinder your spiritual growth. You can be in the church every Sunday and every Wednesday and listen to the sermons and the Bible and everything, but as long as you remain to have those stumbling blocks in your life, you will never reach the fullness of your potential or even grow into maturity spiritually. And Satan knows this, and he puts all these things to try to make us stumble. He does so in order to stop the work of God from happening in your life. To slow down your spiritual growth. To get you stuck. To get you ineffective as a Christian. And sadly, I believe he's succeeding. Sadly, I think that the church today is so caught up in this temporary life and distractions and problems that hardly anyone is really doing the will of God anymore. What I love about this passage is that Jesus, he avoided this huge mess. Can you imagine if Satan was successful? And Jesus would have said, Peter, you're right. I don't want to die. What was I thinking? I'm out. I'm not going to do this. Where would, be, where would we be right now? Imagine. But I thank God that Jesus, in his discernment, he was able to see the truth knowing that this was the devil trying to stop him. He was able to recognize and see the stumbling block, therefore avoiding a huge mess in his life and in ours. And I got to thinking about this, and I realized that if we want to avoid a big mess in our lives, we as believers need to start recognizing stumbling blocks more often and removing them. Because Jesus did two things. He recognized the stumbling block, but he did also something about it. See, I believe some of you, you know the stumbling blocks in your life. Oh, I know this is wrong. I know this has me sinning. I know this person's not good for me. I know this habit is not good for me. I know I shouldn't be doing this, Pastor. Oh, I know. And I believe a lot of us know the stumbling blocks in our lives. And therefore, a lot of us are keeping them. And therefore, you're stuck. Not growing. Not really living the fullness of the life that Christ died for you to have. And too many of us, I believe, are in a mess because we don't even identify the stumbling blocks in our lives anymore. We kind of just tolerate them and accept them. But see, I want to teach you this morning how to really recognize the stumbling blocks in your life. And really get you to a place where you're so encouraged to remove them. 
so that weeks down the line, you're a completely different person and you're growing and you're mature and you're a threat to the devil because you learn to recognize the stumbling block so that every time Satan tries to stop you, you stop him. Wouldn't that be nice? When you're able to recognize the stumbling blocks, your greater chances of stopping them increase. So when you look at a stumbling block, take it serious. Don't think, well, I'll, I'll take care of it later. Don't say, well, it's not as bad as what so-and-so is doing. They're really stumbling. Don't excuse it. Don't minimize it. Don't justify it. Get mad at it. Get tired of it. Pray about it. Get it out of your life so that it's no longer a hindrance to what God is doing in your life. You see, as I began to study this a few weeks ago, something interesting happened. A long time ago, I'm ashamed about this, but a long time ago, in our land, this weekend, for example, I spent the weekend cutting down trees. I spent the weekend, that's me. I look happy, but I was miserable. Cutting down these trees because these were beautiful pine and oak trees that we have in our land. But many, 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 many months ago, my neighbor came up to me and he saw this one little tree that was all dried up. And my neighbor came up to me and he is an experienced man of the land, or whatever, that's a thing, a man of the land, yeah, I guess so. And he comes up to me and he says, you see that tree, that little tree there? I said, yeah, and he goes, it's sick. You need to cut it down. It has this disease. And if you don't cut it down, it's going to spread. And guess what your pastor did? Nothing. I was like, so what an exaggerator. It's a little extreme, isn't it? This little tiny tree. And as months went by, I noticed, man, that tree wasn't sick before. And man, that tree wasn't sick before. And even the biggest and healthiest tree started drying. All because I ignored the warning. And I kept something in the land that should have been cut away. What a picture of what stumbling blocks do. The Lord warns us and says, this is the problem. This has the potential to get you to lead astray. This is going to stop you from growing. This may affect you in other areas of your life. Because stumbling blocks can and will affect other things in your life, not just you. It will affect your life with Jesus. It will affect your spiritual growth. It will affect your finances. It will affect your health. It can affect your family, your marriage, your children, and everything in between. If you remain to have the stumbling blocks in your life, there's only a matter of time till it grows and gets other things sick. And now I spent all weekend cutting down 19 trees. Struggling. Because of one little sick one. Do you want that for your life? When you recognize the stumbling blocks, take action now.
Don't wait. How do you recognize the stumbling blocks in your life? Well, in this passage, Jesus shows us three things you can do to recognize the stumbling blocks in your life. Number one, it's simple. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he was talking about his death and resurrection. That was the purpose of his life. That was his reason for coming to earth. So it shows me that Jesus knew the will of God. The first thing you need to do to recognize stumbling blocks is you need to know what God's will is for your life. And you might be saying right now, well, I don't know what God's will is. So I'm, I'm in trouble. How do I know God's will? And all of us seem to have this question. What is God's will for my life? And what is the Lord willing for my life? And how do I know God's will? And what does God want me to do? And you're driving yourself crazy, but today you're in luck. I'm going to tell you what the will of God is for your life. You guys ready? I'm going to tell you so you don't have to sit here. I wonder what God's will is. Who am I going to marry? What job am I going to do? Where am I going to live? Stop it! You're driving yourself crazy for no reason. Let me simplify your life. In the Bible, talking about the will of God, there are three forms of the will of God. Number one is the decreed will of God. The decreed will of God is simply what God has already preordained, what God has already done. This is what God says, I work all things for good for those who love me who are called according to my purpose. The decreed will of God is what God has already ordered for his purpose. You can't change it. You can't fix it. You can't alter it. If God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. God says it, it happens. Why? Because it has been decreed. That's why the Bible says whatever God starts, God will finish. Why? Because it's been decreed. When it comes to the decreed will of God, you simply have to trust him. Say you got it. All right. The second one is the one that we all get wrecked about. And it is the directional will of God. The questions we ask, and what is the Lord leading me to do? And where should I work? And who should I marry? And should I take this opportunity? And this is what choice should I make? And this is what drives us crazy. But see, when it comes to the directional will of God... You simply have to ask God for wisdom. And because the Lord has decreed his will, it will fall into place with your direction. You don't have to stress it. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen in our church and where are we going to go and what are we going to do and who am I going to marry and what am I going to... No, listen, I relax all day. Why? Because I know that I'm under the decreed will of God. Therefore, his direction is going to follow me through wisdom. No stress. So, Pastor, what's my will? There's only one will you have. That is the desired will of God. The decreed will of God is what God has ordered. The directional will of God is how God is going to guide you to what he's ordered. You don't have to stress about any of those two. You know what you need to stress about? The third one. The desired will of God. The desired will of God is what God expects you to do in the area of how you're living. See the silence? 
The desired will of God is what God desires for you in morality. Let me break it down. The desired will of God is how God is what God desires in how you behave. That's what you're responsible for. Jesus was able to avoid this stumbling block because he knew what Peter was offering and tempting him with did not align with his will. So in order for me to recognize a stumbling block, I have to ask myself, does this line up with God's will for my life? Not his decreed will, not his directional will, his desired will. You're saying, well, pastor, what is the desired will of God? I'm glad you asked. Barbie, put those four verses to me, please. This is what you're responsible for. Oh, we're going to learn today. Where is it? All right. John 6:40, talking to you. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. The first thing God desires for you to be saved. How many of you are saved? All right, you nailed that one. Get yourself a round of applause. You nailed it. Now let me ask you a question. Once you're saved, are you done? No. It comes to the next desire of God for your life. The next will is found in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. That fancy word there simply means your process of becoming more like Jesus Christ in your attitude and in your behavior. That's God's will for your life. If you're asking, what's God's will for my life? That you be more like Jesus. How do you like them apples? Hmm? Be more like Jesus. No, I mean the other one. No, that's the directional will. God already has that. What do you have to be concerned about? The desired will of God. What does God desire? That I be saved? And now, after I've been saved, I get to be more like Jesus every day. Here's the third one. Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will. You know that it is the desire of God that you be thankful how many of you got that one down? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fourth one. This is God's desired will. For such is the will of God, that by doing right, say that with me, by doing right, one more time, by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of the foolish men. So let me break it down. The desired will of God for your life it's that you be saved. Once you got that, another desired will is that you be more like Jesus. And once you're working towards that, another desired will is that you be grateful and thankful. And another desired will is that God wants you to do what is right to be a testimony to those who are foolish, who don't know Him. So don't you ever ask, Lord, what's your will for my life? Because I just told you. Trust God for his decreed will. He's ordained it. Trust God that he's going to direct you for what he has ordained. You don't have to live your life trying to figure out, quote, the will of God for my life because you know that what you're really asking God is, Lord, what am I going to do? Where am I going to live? Who am I going to marry? Who am I going to date? What job do I get? That is not your concern. God has that. The only will that God says is for you. It's that you be saved, 
sanctified, thankful, and a great testimony. See, Jesus understood the will of God, and it got him to say, this doesn't line up with my will. So it must be Satan. And I'm assuming right now you already know what the God's will is for your life. You know how this could help you recognize stumbling blocks? Because if you ask yourself, does this line up with God's will for my life? You can see whether it needs to be cut or not. For example, I don't know, a relationship. You're not sure if this person's the one and you don't know. But you ask yourself this question. Does this person align with the will of God? Number one, sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. Does this relationship, friendship, romance, whatever you want to call it, does this person make me more like Jesus or less than Jesus? How many of you know people that make you less like Jesus every day? If you don't know them, it's because you are the one making people less like Jesus. You ask yourself, does this help me in sanctification? Being with them, do I grow more? Do I learn more? Do I become more like Christ? Or do I sin more and backslide more? Does it hinder my growth? Ask yourself, God's will is for me to give thanks. After you do this, are you able to say thank you, God? Lord, I want to thank you for this person, even though I know that because of them, I don't go to church anymore, I don't read my Bible anymore, I've been sinning more, I'm backsliding more. Lord, thank you. Could you give God thanks for it? The other desired will of God is the testimony that you do right, that choice you're making. Does it make you a testimony or a bad one? Is it a good example to others? See, when you understand the will of God, you're able to line up whether something aligns with His will. And if it doesn't, it's a stumbling block. So you ask yourself, does this make me more like Christ or not? So if the devil hands you the best job ever, the best opportunity ever, but you know it's going to keep you from coming to church on Sundays, from coming to Bible study on Wednesday, from keeping you from your family, and you know that it is God's will that you be more like Jesus and you do what is right, are you going to tell me that that job is from God? No. It's a stumbling block. If you understand the desired will of God is sanctification, thankfulness, and great testimony and salvation, you're able to recognize and say this is going to hinder the will of God. It's not going to make me more like Christ. It's not going to make me a good testimony. I'm not going to be able to thank the Lord for this. So get behind me. See, not only does this work in preventing stumbling blocks from your life, but it's also going to help you from being a stumbling block in other people's lives. I don't care how holy you are. All of us have been stumbling blocks to people. You ask yourself, does my attitude, do my words, my choices, my behavior, does it make this person more like Jesus? Are they able to give thanks for me? Are they able to be a good testimony because of me? Ask yourself, have I been a stumbling block? You'll be surprised how many 
people, Christians, are stumbling block to other believers. You have a friend that comes up to you, and every, and every time you're with them, you're tempted to gossip and slander, and you want to tell them all oh, achievement of the iglesia, everything. You want to let them know everything. And after that person leaves, are you going to say, man, I know they're more like Jesus now. I know they're sanctified. You'll be surprised how many parents are stumbling blocks to their children. They don't pray with them. They don't read the Bible to them. They don't bring them to church. They don't worship with them. They don't teach them the Bible. And when they grow older, you're thinking, man, I wonder why they don't want anything to do with the Lord. It's because when you had them young and developing, you were a stumbling block. How many leaders in the church are stumbling blocks with other leaders? The worship leader is mad at the pastor. The pastor is mad at the media. The media is mad at the translator. And we're all a mess. Why? Because that's not happening. We're a nice church. The gossipers are like, really? Wait until Fulana hears this one. The pastor's mad at Frankie. <laughs> Stumbling blocks. So you ask yourself, am I being a stumbling block? Does it line up with God's will? Sanctification, does it make me more like Jesus? Thankfulness, am I able to say thank you, God? Is it going to be a good testimony? If not, don't allow it. That's how Jesus was able to recognize it. The second thing that Jesus did to recognize a stumbling block, all of it is found in verse 23. Verse 23, Jesus looks at Peter, who's being influenced by Satan, and in verse 23, he says this powerful thing. Get behind me. Satan. See, after you've recognized it, you've got to do something about it. The first thing that Jesus did was recognize. The second thing he did was do something about it. What exactly did Jesus do? It's not what he did, it's what he said. Get behind me, Satan. In doing that, Jesus did something that just blew my mind. He's telling the devil where he belongs. He's telling, Jesus is telling the devil, I'm the leader, you're the follower. Get behind me, follow me. I'm not going to follow you, you're going to follow me. In other words, Jesus is reestablishing to the devil his authority, his control over him. The second thing you need to realize and how to recognize a stumbling block is you have to begin to understand that if, a, if something in your life is giving the devil control and authority over you, it's a stumbling block. If something in your life gives the devil full control over you, it's a stumbling block. That's why Jesus reestablished and said, you get behind me. You're not going to control me. You're not going to lead me. And if there's something in your life that's causing the devil to lead you and control you and have power over you, you better call that what it is. A stumbling block. Anything that gives the devil control and makes you follow him. Anything that brings out the flesh in you. It's a stumbling block. Because I believe there are certain things, there are certain people in life that if we're honest and Stop pretending that we're always spiritual. 
there are things in your life that you know get the flesh out of you. That bring the flesh out. For Solomon, you see Solomon worshiping and giving God thanks and, and praising God and offering sacrifices. But, you know, for Solomon, the devil knew it was foreign women. He loves the foreign ladies. And all I have to do is show him a foreign woman and he's mine. And it started with one and ended up to be a thousand. Why? Because stumbling blocks grow. So the devil said, oh, keep worshiping, keep praising God, keep being the wisest one in the world. I know all I have to do is bring a woman in your life and you're mine. Had Solomon recognized a stumbling block and stayed away from the foreigners, it would have spared him his life. For Cain, it was his anger. Cain was trying to do his best to please God, and he was offering offerings. And you see that Cain is not a bad guy. We read it like that, but he's not. In fact, God cursed him, but he cursed him with a blessing. Interesting. He marked him so that no one could touch him or kill him. That's how much God loved Cain. I'm going to protect you because I love you. Cain's problem was his anger. The devil knew all I got to do is get you upset. Get you jealous. And you're mine. And the second he saw his brother's offering and how God blessed him, he got angry and the anger controlled him because for some of you, the devil knows all I have to do to stumble you is get to your emotions. For Noah, yeah, faithful Noah who built the ark and trusted God, but Later on, you see him completely naked and drunk and passed out. Great testimony, Noah. The devil knew all I have to do is put alcohol in front of him. And he'll ruin his testimony, and his kids are going to see him stagger and passed out drunk and a mess. So they're going to see their father, the faithful one who built this ark and saved them, but they're going to see the alcohol problem he has. And all the devil had to do was tempt him with that. And the flesh got him. For Elijah, the one that prayed down fire and prayed and was faithful, all the devil had to do was put fear and anxiety on him. And he stumbled. See, all of us need to be aware that no matter how much we love the Lord, how much we serve God, how much, I mean, how saved you are. Listen, the devil knows what brings the flesh out of you. And if there's something you recognize that you know, every time I'm with this person, my flesh comes out. Every time I have this in my life, my flesh comes out. Every time this happens, my flesh comes out. When you learn to recognize that this gives the devil control over me, you have to get rid of it. That's why Jesus said, get behind me. I'm not going to give you control. I'm not going to give you authority. And Jesus said, get behind me. But notice, he didn't say, get out and leave and vanish. Because Jesus is teaching us that the devil is never going to leave. This is his world. But he's also telling us that even though he'll never leave, you don't have to let him control you. You don't have to give him authority. You can tell the devil, you are under me, not the other way around. That's what the devil says. Oh, I own you. I control you. And Jesus says, no, you don't. 
The second he said, get behind me, do you hear the devil talk again? No. Because the devil understands who truly is in authority, and he knows you are. So if there's something that brings out the flesh, for me, five o'clock palmetto brings out the flesh. Guess what? I don't do it. I'll wait till seven, eight o'clock. What is it for you? What controls your flesh? Cut it. And lastly, verse 23. Again, remember, in one verse, he establishes three things. Recognize it. And when you recognize, do something about it. Don't let it control you anymore. Let it get behind you. Realize you have authority over it. You guys got that? The third thing he says, how do you recognize a stumbling block? He says, you're a stumbling block to me. And here it is. For you are not setting your minds on God's interest. But yours. But man's. A stumbling block. See, that word that when Jesus said, you don't have the Lord's interest in mind. It's interesting because when you read that in the Greek, that word to set in mind is a Greek word, phronaeo. It's a crazy word because it literally means to be devoted to. So Jesus recognizes stumbling block because a stumbling block is anything that robs God of the devotion he deserves from him. What keeps you from being devoted to God more? There's your stumbling block. What hinders you from really being devoted? That's your stumbling block. Jesus said you don't have in mind the things of God. You're busy. You're distracted. You're less devoted because of this. It can be a hobby, it can be a relationship, it can be a job, it can be a family, a responsibility. Anything can stop you from being devoted truly to God. So let me ask you, what's on your mind? It's no wonder so many people in the church are falling apart because we don't recognize these stumbling blocks as stumbling blocks. You see that that very thing is stopping you from really reading the Bible in the morning. That thing is stopping you from going to Bible study. That thing is hindering you from coming to church on Sunday. And you're going to let it stay like that? It's going to get you less devoted to God. So when Jesus saw that this very thing that Peter was presenting was going to be less of a devotion to the will of God, he said, this is a stumbling block and I have to do something about it. What happens is, let me illustrate this one. This is a crazy illustration. You're going to lose respect for me. But I noticed something. Jesus said, you don't have in mind. You don't, you don't, you're not devoted. And when that, that Greek word, from Maneo really spoke to me because I realized that there are things in my life that can stop me from being devoted to God. 
And in Colossians 3.2, that same word, fraroneo in the Greek, is there. Set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. When you read that in the Greek, it's saying, be devoted to the things of God, not the things of this earth, but you can't do both. Your devotion cannot be divided. It either goes to God or it goes to the world. But notice this word there. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things. You notice the word things is pluralized, not thing, because I realize that we tend to think that the devil uses one thing to get you. You heard that before? What's that one thing in your life? Tell me that one thing that hinders you and stops you and leads you to sin. But then I recognize what Jesus said in Matthew is what Paul said to the church in Colossians. He's saying here, it's not a thing. It's things. Things get on your mind. So, some of us I want you to realize this is how we come to church. I set this on my head. This is you. I see it all the time. You're listening in church, but you're like, I gotta answer that text. I answer, oh, and I oh, what about the kids? I gotta do it. Oh, and you know that, you know, looking behind me, you see the remote control? Some of you are more devoted to Netflix than Jesus. And if you would spend half the time you do on Netflix and the Bible, you might be an evangelist. Think about that. Not that it's, oh, but is that a sin? No, it's not a sin. You have bad habits. I hope this isn't one of them. You know that Sunday is International Laundry Day? And Clean the House Day? Sorry, Pastor, I can't come to church. Why? The clothes, the clothes, Pastor, the clothes. Oh, the clothes. Yeah, I got to get ready for work, and I got to do laundry. And the devil says, oh, it's laundry first, God second. And then you have problems with the kids, and problems in your marriage, and then your hobbies get in the way, and everything else is on your mind. Who can worship God like this? But you come to church like this. All week long you're like this. Your mind is filled with all these things. It's the, it's the computer, the social media, the phone, the job, the family, the marriage, the kids, the hobbies, the laundry, cleaning the house. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then you say, well, I wonder why I'm not as close to God anymore. It's because we walk into church and live our daily life this and you think I look ridiculous let me tell you you look even more ridiculous if you think God can bless you without you having devotion for him hey I better not see this online you better stop taking pictures (laughs) oh you too Let's close. I pray that you recognize the stumbling blocks in your life. Because God said, it's things. It's things. 
How many things are just robbing you? How many things are hindering you? See, I love that Jesus said, you're a stumbling block. He called it what it is. Don't call it a little habit. Don't call it a little sin. Don't call it a little problem. Call it what it is. In the name of Jesus, say, Lord, this is a stumbling block. Recognize the will of God for your life. It's sanctification. Great testimony. Giving thanks. Not able to do those things, but the things you're doing. It's a stumbling block. Do something about it. As Jesus said, get behind me. Understand that the very stumbling blocks that have been stumbling you, you have authority over. The devil doesn't have to control you with these things. And when Jesus said, you don't have in mind the things of God, that's the best way to see if this is a stumbling block. Am I kingdom-minded? Am I more about God or more about this world and more about this earth and more about these things? So the choice is yours. The same way Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, I know you're not going to go away. I know you're not going to leave. But I also know you're not going to have control over me. And I'm going to do the will of God. Make this choice today. Because God wants to bless you in the mess that you're in right now. And some of us were in the mess because of the stumbling blocks in our lives. So whatever that is, don't let it control you anymore. You might have to do some things less. You might have to stop things altogether. things and you have the, the marriage, the house, the children, the jobs, the, everything. I, I get that. But where is your devotion to the Lord? Is it just Sunday? Is it just when I can? What would God do in your life if you say we're going to be devoted as a couple? We're going to be devoted as a, as a family. I'm going to be devoted to God and the things of God rather than these things. Father, I pray for our church now, for those listening online. I pray for every person stuck, stumbling because of a stumbling block. I pray, Lord, for every person that has something that they're just scared to get rid of for every heart that's not as devoted to you anymore. For those that the devil has controlled for far too long, in Jesus' name, I bind it. May you walk in the authority that the Lord Jesus died for you to have. And Father, I pray that you renew the people that need to be more devoted to you. If you're here today, every head is bowed, no one's looking, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm stumbling. But today I'm letting the Lord know that I know it's a stumbling block. And I'm praying for the Lord to give me strength and wisdom to get that behind me already.
going to stop letting the devil control me with this. You put your hands up so I can pray over your life today. God bless you. See your hand. See yours. See yours. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you open up our hearts to see the sun will rise. Give us the strength to remove them, to get it behind us, so that we can avoid a mess in the future. Help us to cut it before it spreads to other things and makes it worse. And give us a heart that is devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give God some praise today if you were blessed with that word today?